Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, This is a giving church, and what a blessing it is to have people who believe in giving. Uh, God is a powerful Powerful God, able to bless His people. Can you say amen? As we turn to the Word of God this evening, I'd like you to open up your Bible. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians and chapter 16 tonight. On these uh, Wednesday night recharge services, my goal, my aim is to provide to you a word from God that will encourage and bless your soul tonight. And as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, there is a scripture I want to share with you tonight that has the power to transform a culture if we would apply it to our lives. I want to preach a message tonight that has to do with some things that are happening in our culture in, the, in the, this early part of 2019, uh, if you have had any notice um, of the last year, a couple of years actually, and uh, into this year, there has been something happening in our culture, something that is interesting to watch from a Christian perspective. Uh, but after the election of Donald Trump, there was a, a backlash uh, from certain from certain people, uh, certain groups of people, it began with uh, something called a, a women's march that happened in Washington D.C. Uh, it developed through something called the Me Too movement. Some of you have, have uh, paid attention to this, the Me Too movement, which sought rightly to, uh, when it began, to correct the injustices of uh, of of toxic masculinity attacking uh, women for many, many generations. This has been happening. And, uh, and so this kind of all has, has come to a head uh, in the last couple of days. Maybe you saw there was an advertisement that came out from the company Gillette. Uh, and I'm not going to play it tonight because I don't want to give them any more attention than they already have. But it was an advertisement that kind of uh, wrote on the coattails of these things that saying that that toxic ma- masculinity that men that this idea of boys will be boys and that uh, men are are evil and need to need to be corrected and, uh, and and so this is something that is bubbling in our culture and I want to give you some biblical wisdom on what masculinity really should be. There is an attack happening in our culture on masculinity. If you did a, did a Google search, which I did, 
I did a Google search for the term toxic masculinity, produced over 33 million results on Google. It's something that is trending, something that is on the minds of many people. I say that this, uh, this idea did not come for no reason. There truly is such a thing called toxic masculinity. I'm not here to defend that tonight, but it is a backlash against generations of true abuse that has occurred against women in our culture. But I believe that, you know, in our culture and in life in general, when you see an injustice, sometimes you see something that's wrong. This could be in your own life or this could be in the culture. You begin to pay more attention to it and begin to push back against it you always run the risk of overcorrecting, all right? So just like when you're behind the wheel driving in your car and you're not paying attention to the road, one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a driver is when you start to, to run up against the shoulder and some people, early drivers, people who don't have a lot of experience, what can happen is they, they get freaked out a little bit and they turn the wheel trying to correct their course and if you do that too strongly on the freeway, you can overcorrect. And you see uh, people who don't have a lot of experience driving can make this mistake often and jerk the wheel and end up overcorrecting, going uh, all the way into another lane, perhaps crashing. This is not just true when you're driving. This is true in a culture. And in a generation where, yes, there is such a thing as toxic masculinity, men who do terrible things in terrible ways to people who don't deserve it, there is also the danger of overcorrecting against it, to view all men as evil, to view all men and masculinity as evil or somehow lesser than femininity. I was listening to a TED Talk. Ever listen to TED Talks? Some interesting topics, and I was listening to this woman uh, give a, a TED Talk about, uh, about um, treating the earth right, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I love the outdoors too, but she was making a connection between, uh, between seeing women rise up as leaders around the world and also seeing a positive impact on global climate change. She was trying to make that connection. And as she was talking, she made a comment that caught my attention. As she was saying, uh, as we see more women coming out of poverty in third world nations, uh, that she believed that this was going to have an impact. And she made a comment that said, if, if, if the only leaders in the world were women, then all of the problems of the world would go away. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, she really has a lot of faith. And uh, she was being serious. She wasn't making a joke. She thought that if, if every uh, president and every parliament member and every uh, government leader was, was female instead of male, then we could get all of this toxic masculinity out of the way and the uh, utopia would be upon us. Tonight, I want to define for you from the Word of God what masculinity really should be. This is an issue that has been under great attack in our culture. And I believe that we as the people of God, we must have an, an understanding of what gender is supposed to be in our culture and how we are supposed to live as men and as women. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, just a couple of scriptures here. 
that will give us a very helpful definition and why this is so necessary for the world and for the kingdom of God to continue. 1 Corinthians 16, beginning with verse 13. Follow along carefully tonight. This is a call, I believe, to the men of church, uh, to, to the men of the kingdom, to the men of any culture. And it says these words, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. Let me read that one more time tonight. And I pray that the men of God in this place, that your spiritual antennas would go up as we read this scripture. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come tonight once again by the blood of Jesus. God, we're coming tonight with uh, humility, God. We understand, God, that without you we are nothing and are capable of nothing. I'm praying that, that you would speak to the hearts of your people tonight. Pray that you would raise up, God, a generation of men whose hearts are drawn to you, God, to your will and to your purpose. We pray tonight that you would help correct those uh, mis misinformed minds and ideas from the world, from our culture. God, help us to realign our thoughts and our hearts to your kingdom and to your reality. We trust you tonight for all you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Let me begin tonight by exposing some of the cultural attacks that have been against masculinity. Now, I might be a little bit partial tonight because I am a man and I feel these attacks uh, just like the next guy. But I want to say that, that every woman in this place should also be highly concerned about this, especially if you have young boys in your house. We are raising another generation of men for tomorrow. That's why every man and every woman ought to take notice when there are attacks on either side, either toward women or toward men. But some of the things that have attacked the idea of masculinity in our culture, some of you, even the word masculinity somehow has become offensive in our culture. To have a masculine point of view, to have a masculine reaction to life, somehow that has already, uh, you're, you're pushing back against that in your mind. But I want to tell you that God created masculinity. There is such a thing tonight as good and godly masculinity. I don't know what happened to all the amens tonight, but it's true that God created men to be men and women to be women. Is there anything controversial about that tonight? In our culture, there has been a pressure against masculinity that began perhaps back in the 60s, maybe even before. But there, are, there was a, a, a great feminist movement that no doubt began with good intentions, but feminism that began in the 60s and 70s became an overcorrection, became the bra-burning feminazis that Rush Limbaugh always talks about. <laughs> but the whole idea was that women want, wanted to have equality with men. I would venture to say tonight that that, was, that is completely impossible for, for women to be totally equal to men. Now, I'm not saying 
unequal in value or unequal in worth. Obviously, God sees us all with the same value and worth. There's no such thing that man is more valuable than a woman. But what I am saying tonight is that God created us differently. A man is a very different creature from a woman. And that's how God made us. And, uh, and don't be fooled by the modern idea that there are 111 different genders. Okay, there are two genders and they go down to every molecule in your body. That every molecule either has an X chromosome or a Y chromosome. And no matter how much they mutilate themselves, causing themselves to lose body parts or gain body parts, that they are still to the very core and the very fundamental of who they are. Every molecule cries out like a signature from God that they are either men or women. Now tonight, I, uh, I don't have... Uh, the purpose of this message is not to encourage... Uh, I don't think that there's anybody having a problem tonight identifying if you're a man or a woman. I don't think that that's a problem. If it is, we'll talk after the service. However, what I am here to talk about is the biblical understanding of true masculinity and feminism as a movement has attacked masculinity for maybe the last 50 years. You've seen it on TV where the dad of the family is always treated as a dunderhead where he never has, I never get any respect, Rodney Dangerfield, right? Where men are never as smart as the wives, never as capable, always messing up, acting stupidly. Uh, and, you know, I want to just say that, that in order to exalt biblical feminism, you don't have to push down masculinity. You know what I'm saying? There is such a thing as the crab mentality, the crab in a bucket. You know what that is? The crabs in a bucket, they say, I don't know if this is true or not, but they say if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket on the beach, that they'll fight each other and they'll move around in the bucket. And if a crab somehow is able to get his claw up on the side of the bucket and start to crawl out, that all the other crabs will get so angry that they'll grab onto him and pull him back down, man. You can't escape if we're staying in here. I think that many feminists, uh, it is not a bad thing to talk about feminism and to, uh, to promote fem. We want, we want good and godly women in our culture. But in the effort to do that, sometimes we're pulling down others, we're pulling down the men of the culture in order to exalt the women. That's also not a good thing. I would love to see tonight biblical restoration of God's view of men and women. Family tonight. Family is necessary for men to, to have roles of leadership. If, uh, if you ever see a family where the husband is treated like a man is on television, I can tell you that that is a troubled marriage. I can tell you that that man uh, feels defeated in his soul. For his whole life. I can tell you that if a wife uh, wears the pants of the family, that a, that a man will not achieve everything that God has for him in his life. Because God designed a man to have leadership in the home and in the church. 
It is a privilege. It is a weight. It is a responsibility that God has given to men. And, uh, and I believe that God has wisdom in that. So let me talk to you for a moment about egalitarianism, okay? Big, long, fancy word, but here's what it means. It's the belief that men and women should have no role distinctions at all. It means that, uh, that a man is just as capable at raising uh, a little girl or a little boy as a woman would. That the roles are interchangeable. You've seen this happening in our culture. Where so often now, if a woman has a better salary at job, and I will tell you uh, that women's uh, roles in companies and, and uh, they are very successful, doctors, lawyers, uh, today, more, there's 60% of college graduates are women. They're excelling in the world, doing well at work. And so that often a family will find themselves in this situation where a woman is making more money than the man. And all of a sudden, here come some babies into the home. And so they say to themselves, well, what's the big deal? Man can stay home and raise the babies. And the wife will go off and work for a paycheck. It may work for, for some families, but I want to tell you, for most men, that would be very, very difficult because God created a man to be a breadwinner. God created a man to be a provider for his home. And when he's at home changing diapers and feeding mouths, uh, listen, he, he might be able to do it, but he wasn't wired well for it. He wasn't wired well. Can I tell you, ladies, you were pre-wired by God. To be a caregiver. That's why we don't let men in the nursery. Could you imagine? Our children would not survive if we had men in the nursery. <laughs> and I want to tell you tonight that God pre-wired us for certain responsibilities, and that's okay. But the view that everybody should be the same, everybody should have the same role, that's egalitarianism. But what the Bible teaches us is something different, something called complementarianism. Ooh, that's a good one, complementarianism. Eight words. I dare you to find one longer than that. Complementarianism. What that means tonight is that God gave us gender to complement one another. That man and woman in life was designed not to be fighting against each other, but to be in harmony with one another. That the strengths and the weaknesses that men have actually line up perfectly to the strengths and the weaknesses that women have. And that when a, a man and a wife come together in marriage, that there, be, there, there has to have this amazing harmony and balance that occurs in a marriage. It's an incredible, incredible thing. That's called complementarianism. So God is the one who designed this. Now, there's also some other attacks that have come against masculinity in our culture. It is the idea of chauvinism or machismo. Okay, this is the idea that you can't really be a man unless you drink beer and burp and scratch yourself and in odd places and you have to love sports and four-wheel drive and tell nasty, dirty jokes and sleep around and cheat on your wife and that's what a real man does. No. That is not what a real man does. That is nothing but prolonged adolescence. 
That's nothing but a boy in a man's body. Somehow the church has accepted some of this, and this is why so many, uh, if, you, if you've read the names of men's ministries in different churches, all of them have to have this like tough guy name, like uh, uh, awesome guys ministry, or like tough men, or disciples with a, you know, they always have to have some cool name. Well, this is kind of comes from the same idea, because if it doesn't sound manly, then it's just lame. I want to say tonight that we confuse what the world thinks is manly with true and godly masculinity. Really what we're talking about is this is an attack against masculinity. And when the world says there is a toxic masculinity, this is what they're talking about. This is what we're talking about, that when men will not grow up, this is what they become, toxic. That especially when boys do not have a father in the home to show them how a man acts, how a man ought to speak, how a man ought to treat women. If, uh, if there is no uh, male authority in the home or someone close by to show them how to live, then they become, uh, they become adult adolescents. Right? Living to have fun. Living to hurt people living to get in fights at the bar, living to take advantage of as many women as possible. This is the toxic masculinity that the world looks at and says that's evil. And I agree, that is evil. Unfortunately, the the church has not been good to, to call these things out. It's chauvinism. Chauvinism says, goes a step further when it says that, uh, that, that, Men are better than women and, should, and that women should submit to and serve all men for no reason. But this is, this is not the biblical teaching about submission. Can I tell you that tonight? The, the Bible does teach that a woman is to submit to her, to her own husband, but not to all men. Submission here does not mean servanthood or slavery. It means, it means biblical servanthood. It means servant leadership tonight. And so uh, when we look at the Bible, we don't see any of these toxic masculine. We see tonight what I want to term something that I want you to remember tonight is not toxic masculinity, but essential masculinity. And I want to make the, I want to make the case this evening that true masculinity is not toxic, but rather is something that is desperately needed in our culture. We need a revival of godly men and leaders in our culture. So I want to turn to our scripture, and I want you to pay close attention. If you turn with me tonight, once again, to uh, uh, second, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And these are some exhortations that came from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. But I want to tell you that in these two verses is a very manly call, a very masculine call that, God, that uh, the Apostle Paul put into the church there. And I want to break down these terms that Paul used because I believe that right here we have an outline, we have a description of what essential masculinity looks like. It begins with the word watch. Everybody say the word watch. 
And when he says the word watch, we're not talking about the thing that keeps time on your wrist. The word in the Greek, it means to give strict attention to, to be cautious or active. The idea in the original language when he says, I need you to watch, it comes from the very purpose that God gave to Adam in the garden. Do you remember when God originally gave Adam the job? He said, I created this whole world, this universe. I created this amazing garden with all these creatures and plants and animals. And then on the last day, God created Adam, the first man. And the very first job that he gave to him was there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep. This is the idea of the word watch. Man was intended. True masculinity is described by being one who tends, who keeps, who watches over something. See, this is one of the strengths of masculinity. God has pre-programmed a man to cultivate, to watch over things, to be problem solvers. This is why, ladies, you get so annoyed at us when you come and, uh, and I'm just as guilty as the next guy. And wives, a classic example, a wife comes to her husband and begins to tell him about the struggles of her day and the things that she's going through. And immediately, man goes into problem-solving mode. Super husband, I want to help you with your problem, dear. And I'm going to solve this problem. Let's see what we can do. Let's make a list and let's figure this thing out. Tend and keep. Uh, but that's a mistake. <laughs> because usually... Usually, wives just want to see that their husbands are listening to them and sensitive to their needs, and I've heard you, dear, and let's pray about this together. She doesn't always need the answer to every problem in five seconds, but that's how we're programmed. We are problem solvers. We feel good. That's why men uh, tend more to be builders in life, tend more to, 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 uh, to feel good putting things together with their hands. I got an opportunity to do that. A guy back in the Chandler Church has a, has a furniture company. He called me, and he says, I have some customers over here in Virginia Beach that, uh, that I'd like to build tables for. He said, uh, you, you want to you part in that? You want some action on that? I said, yes. Yes, I want to build things. That's really cool. So I, you know, I uh, got the lumber, got the tools. My mom helps me out painting. But it's really awesome at the end of the day to look in my garage, and there it is, still sitting there, waiting for somebody to buy it. But it's a table. It's like, wow, I put that together with my own two hands. For a man, that feels good to accomplish something. It's like God pre-programmed us. This is part of the, the exhortation that Paul gives is to the men of the church, we ought to be those who are watching over, tending, and keeping the things that God has given to us. Paying attention to important things. This is what true masculinity looks like, and that is not toxic. That is essential. God made man to be a protector of those things that he has created, those blessings that God has put in your life. Second thing we see in our scripture, he says, watch... And then he says, stand fast. This is good tonight. The image in the Greek language 
is the image of a pillar that holds up a building. It's the image to stand firm, to persevere, to persist, to keep your standing. How many know men can be stubborn? Mm, We can be stubborn. Yes, man, you can be stubborn. When God uses it, when God can harness that stubbornness, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Right? (laughs) I didn't lose you tonight, did I? That, That men ought to be the ones who hold things together, hold the church up. There is a... There's an old teaching uh, that I learned from my rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lapp. I listened to this podcast, and he, he said something very interesting, that in the Jewish community, uh, if they're thinking about putting together a synagogue, that there is a certain requirement that if you are going to start a new synagogue, you must have at least 10 men who are going to faithfully attend, whether that is married men, single men. Uh, but the idea is if we don't have 10 men, then we can't have a synagogue. And this is the idea. It's the same idea that that the the men of any community are the ones who are holding up that community. It's true of a church here tonight. I thank God for all of the faithful ladies in this place. Sometimes I am amazed at the faithfulness of women, the hearts of women to give and to labor and to do great things for the kingdom. And I don't want to minimize that in any way tonight. But I do want to say that It is essential for men to do what Paul is asking here, to stand fast, to be stubborn for Jesus, to be stubborn in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. Uh, What we see in our generation is a toxic masculinity, men who are wishy-washy, who are double-minded, unstable in all their ways, never able to commit to a certain thing. This is why we have fewer and fewer marriages in our culture. Did you know that? Fewer and fewer marriages. Not because people don't want to be close together anymore, but it is because men are afraid of commitment even more and more as time goes by. A millennial generation is afraid to commit to anything. And especially here, even in our, in, even in our postmodern world where we're supposed to be free from gender identities, right? And yet still to this day, It is expected that a man should be the one to get down on his knee and offer a ring and say, Dear, would you please join me for the rest of my life and be my wife? You don't ever see women doing that, do you? You don't ever? Well, uh, maybe some weird, strange women. But but it is expected for the man to initiate this. And because men are so wishy-washy, afraid of commitment, it happens Less and less often. Essential masculinity is a man who stands fast in the faith, stubborn in a good way. Third, we see this term. Again, back to our scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave. Everybody say brave. Oh, I hope that the male heart begins to beat a little faster right now. God created man to be brave. Some of bravery means foolishness. And yes, men can be a little more reckless than women. That's how God trained us. That's how God wired us. 
That's why little boys are, are, uh, are, not as, uh, are, are more dangerous than little girls. I remember one time especially, uh, I called my brother. My brother at the time, this was probably three or four years ago, before they had their little girl in the house. My brother had three boys and then one girl in their home. And all three boys at that time, they were all three, uh, I think the oldest was six, and then he was four, and then two. So it's, it's a lot of boys in one house. And uh, we called them one Christmas, right? And we had them on the FaceTime. And, uh, you know, I've got two girls in my house. And so it was Christmas morning. Everybody had opened their presents. We're having a FaceTime with Uncle John. And so, uh, so I'm looking at his phone. You know, I'm looking at my phone, and I'm seeing him, and he's trying to talk to me. But these boys are just going wild in the background. They're just running back and forth, zooming. You know, they've opened up their toys. It's Christmas morning. Uh, they don't have any clothes except their underwear on. They're just they're like, like little beasts running around the house, man. I was, I was amazed. It was loud. He's trying to talk to me. They're crawling all over him like a giant jungle gym, these three boys. And, and then I said, hey, John, let me show you what's happening in my house. So I turned the phone around, right? And there's, there's Jaylee and Adeline. They're sitting on the ground nicely. They just got some new dolls. They're combing their hair. They say, hi, Uncle John. Don't tell me the boys and girls are the same. Oh, no. God has pre-programmed big differences between boys and girls. We see it early on. God has pre-programmed boys to be more reckless and more dangerous. 